Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Why don't we just take a moment and lift our hands to heaven right where you're at, and let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. We surrender our lives to you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present right where we are in our midst. Lord, today we lift up our nation to you. We lift up our government officials. We lift up all the people, Lord, that are serving in the community. And Lord, we lift up those in our congregation, those that are struggling with sickness and disease right now. We rebuke the devourer from their life. And we speak life. Father, this morning, we thank you that our eyes and ears are open, that we could hear your word and understand the truth that comes forth today. That is going to take root inside of our heart and produce much fruit inside of our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that the peace of God that passes understanding is present in every life listening this morning in the name of Jesus. Well, welcome to our place. Thank you all for streaming us today. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue our series on focus. So we've been kind of working through focus the last couple weeks. And we started by, you know, what are you looking for or what are you looking at, you know, and, and really, were you focusing on the things of the spirit or were you looking at the things um, of the flesh? And then from there, we kind of went and Into we looked. Into our second week, yeah. Well, but we also talked about that first week about um, the cultures in a downward spiral. And uh, if we focus on that downward spiral, we're going to end up in a bad place in our thinking because really, um, according to sociologists, we're probably on the verge of a collapse because we've moved away from the Christian principles that our society was founded upon. And then we have to fix our thoughts on the things that God tells us to so he can fix our thinking. Then we continued into our second week and we both shared and talked about our perspective and what are we focusing on. And sometimes when we're too close to a situation, we need to step back for, uh, to gain clarity and to see the situation better. And we talked about too, we shared about is your cup, do you view um, obstacles and change and things that are coming up in your life uh, as your, is your cup half full or is it half empty? And we talked about the stumbling blocks and obstacles in your life that God is turning them into stepping stones for you as he's actively building you a bridge to walk across and walk through the situation and the circumstance that you might be in. And we, I highlighted um, Habakkuk 3.19, that the Lord is your strength, he's your courage, and he's your army. And in those times when you're walking through and he's making stepping stones for you, he's making your feet steady and sure. He's giving you hind's feet in those challenging places and responsibility. You know, this week I came upon a quote uh, by Winston Churchill, and uh, that would have fit really good with last week. He said, if you're going through hell, keep going. So it's good that, you know, when you're walking through something, the whole point is that you want, you want to walk through. We don't want to get stuck and we don't want to stay there. When you're walking through, we want to walk through and get to the other side. And then we talked about, too, the motives of our heart. 
and allowing God to cross-examine us, letting the Holy Spirit ask us those questions and purify our heart. And we also talked about consecration. And we talked about what that really is and the fruit that it should produce in our lives and the life that should come forth out of those seasons of consecration. And today we want to continue our conversation on focus on the cross or look to the cross. And one of the things that I realized a long time ago is if you're focused on the cross, you must be focused on Christ. And if you're living a Christ-centered life, it's a cross-centered life. And we have to learn to anchor ourselves to the cross. And that's super important for us, especially in unsteady times when the winds of life and the storms of life are blowing. And at the cross, you anchor yourself to the forgiveness that Christ gives us. We anchor ourselves to his freedom and the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. Really, what happened is, at the cross, he gave us righteousness and forgiveness for our sin. He gave us provision for the areas of poverty and lack in our life. He gave us healing for the areas of sickness. He gave us blessing where there was a curse. He gave us acceptance where we were rejection. Acceptance where there was rejection in our lives. He gave us relationship when we were lonely. He gave us grace where there was judgment. He gave us life where there was death, and he gave us glory where there was shame. See, at the cross, Jesus, he looked beyond the pain that he had to endure. He had to look beyond the suffering, and what did he look to? He looked to us, which was the joy that was set before him. So because Jesus was able to focus on us, he was able to endure the cross. He was able to go through. And at the cross, the great exchange took place. And that gives us the ability today to live the cross-centered life. That's true. So um, our focus scripture this morning was in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12. So I want to go back to it and I want to read Hebrews 12, 1 to 4. And that scripture says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily slips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has uh, set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from the sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given up your lives in the struggle against sin. So I want to point out that it's a love thing. So Jesus died for us on the cross and the motive for that was us. We were the joy that was set before him. So out of his tremendous and great love for us came that joy, the joy of us, the reward at the end of his suffering. And I just wanna say that, you know, Jesus could have chosen a different motivation. He was in heaven. He was there before the foundations of the earth and he was in heaven and he could have been thinking about what it would be like to go back to heaven. He could have been thinking about his resurrection. He could have been thinking about many other things, but he chose to think about us. He chose to think about you and me. He chose to think about the joy of being restored back to relationship with us so that he chose to think about us. So 
In the same regard, let's ask ourselves the same question. Is Jesus our first love? Is Jesus the joy that we set before ourselves, before us? Out of that great love that Jesus had for us comes the love that we have for him. And you can only understand the depth of the love you, like the love that you have for him will only come first out of experiencing and knowing and having a revelation of his love for you first. And that it's a response that you love, you love him as much as he could love you. So, and I want to also say that, you know, we have to, Jesus focused on the reward ahead that was greater than the suffering that would be behind him. So we need to understand that we too need to remember that our reward ahead of being in heaven with him, of being in relationship with him is so much greater than the suffering that we might have here on earth. And that we have to have a full uh, understanding and a knowledge and revelation of the work of the cross. It's not just the suffering that we endure here. It's the uh, fruit that comes out of the suffering and the life that the cross produces, the resurrection life that it produces, the purification that it produces in our life when we're going through these things. And it can easily, easily change when we take our eyes off Jesus if we choose to look at the suffering and disregard any of the life and the reward that comes through as a result of that suffering and we just keep focusing on the negative things. So if we take our eyes off of the joy that's set before us, who is Jesus, we can change that when we focus on our weakness. And when we begin to focus on our weaknesses, that changes what we focus on. And that's not, and Jesus is not whom we will focus on. We'll focus on the weaknesses and that we're striving in our own strength and not through the strength of Jesus that he provides, who is the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. In Romans 6.19, I want to read, it says, because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to immaturity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you can become holy. So right now, I want us to ask ourselves, you know, what have we allowed ourselves to become a slave to? Right now, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic crisis and we're in the middle of COVID. And we need to be asking ourselves, where are we finding our sources of comfort? Where are, are the idols in our lives? Because we did so many other things differently before COVID happened. And now that all of those things have been brought down, are we actually being aware? You know, now before we were busy and the busyness of life was taking up so many things. We were working and um, we were going from this appointment to that appointment, family commitments. Uh, we had different sports events, taking our children here and there and just life was filled up. But now we're not so busy and we're at home and we're quarantining. But are we taking up that time with actually recognizing, okay, this might not have been a healthy pattern in my life. This might not have been a good thing. I need to work on changing those things. Or are we simply sliding into new habits that are not healthy for us? Are we just sitting around doing nothing? We don't have to go anywhere. We can just sit in our pajamas all day. You know, I had mentioned before, we go from daytime pajamas to nighttime pajamas. We don't really do anything. We're binge watching Netflix. We're um, not 
taking the time to actually realize what is going on in our minds and we can take and we can slip so easily into habits that when this is over it's going to be very difficult to come out of and very difficult to change because we've been doing this for more than 21 days and it said that you know habits form in about 21 days and it's been longer than 21 days and so we're going to be we want to be careful that we're not forming bad habits that we're going to have a really hard time breaking and we want to ask ourselves are we giving more weight to our flesh or are we giving more weight to our spirit man and are we actually allowing ourselves to be aware of the thoughts that are happening what's going through our mind or are we just you know not even paying attention and we need to recognize and be paying attention to those things and that we need to give more weight and take account to our um, spirit man rather than our flesh and we know that our flesh hates it when we focus on the cross I'm going to read a verse for you in a moment from Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, if you want to turn there. But before I get there, let's start here. Galatians 5 talks about the contrast between the works of the flesh or the things that the flesh does and the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. And it kind of gives us this comparison. And if you want these results in your life, live according to the flesh. If you want these results in your life, live according to the spirit. In Galatians 6, at the beginning of the chapter, Paul's talking and he says, each of us is responsible for our own conduct. And then a little bit later, he comes to this place where he goes to 614, but I want to give you a little bit more background to that. Paul was educated um, in one of the best schools. I think he came up under a guy named Gamaliel, which was like a reputable school of Jewish law because he was a rabbi, a teacher of the Jewish law. He was born with privilege. He had this ability to study in the best schools and become a master of Jewish law and teaching, and he was very good in the natural realm. He'd been educated at the best institutions, and he was born into privilege, and he had citizenship in all the right places, and he had connections. And, but Paul comes to the place in his life when he was talking to the Galatians, and he says, look, I don't want to boast in my achievements. I only want to boast in the cross of Christ. And you see this being contrasted, and I'm going to read it to you, and then I'll continue the contrast. Galatians 6.14 is, for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. And Paul makes this statement because he's, he's coming against the false teachers uh, that were trying to convince the Galatian believers the, at the church in Galatia that they had to follow the Old Covenant or the Old Testament law, including circumcision. So if you wanted to be holy, if you wanted to be in good standing with God, then you need to be circumcised. You need to follow the, the law. And we see at the Jerusalem Council back in the book of Acts that they said, we're not going to put these things on the Gentile believers. They wanted them to abstain from fornication, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols, and leave yourself unspotted from the world. That was the restrictions that they placed on the Gentile believers as far as uh, following God's law. And one of the things that I want you to understand is when your new nature was activated at salvation, you died to your flesh nature. It was crucified with Christ, and it went into the ground with him. And that's why when we get baptized, we're signifying death to the old flesh or the old man or the old nature. And I want to read Benson's commentary to you because he kind of goes through this verse, and he, he brings it out this way. He says, but God forbid that I should actually or be actuated by any such selfish or worldly views or should glory, should boast of anything 
I have or am or do or rely on anything for my acceptance with God. And I'm going to pause there because we have to understand it's not our righteousness, it's not our good works, it's not our education, it's not our pedigree that gets us right standing in favor with God. It's purely the cross of Christ and the sacrifice that he made there and his blood that puts us in a place where we can stand righteous before him. He goes on and he says, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ in what Christ has done and suffered for me by whom, or as the words may be understood, by which cross the world is crucified to me. All the things and persons in it are to me as dead things and therefore as nothing. And I unto the world, I am dead to all worldly pursuits, cares, desires, and enjoyments. What a great example of us on how we're supposed to live, dead to the world system and the things in it. You know, it's not about what you know. It's not so much about how you do things, it's about is the glory of God being revealed inside of your life as you die to selfishness, as you die to vain ambition? Does your focus on the cross affect the way that you interact with others? Does it affect the way you interact with your spouse? Do you love your spouse sacrificially? Do you honor your spouse? Do you prefer him or her? Or is it always your way? When you interact with people in the community, whether it's a bank teller, a clerk at a grocery store, a waiter or a waitress, how do you treat people. You know, I remember I was out with a missionary one time, and he's from a different organization, so I don't think any of you would know him. Uh, you know, not, not Pastor Mark and Malou, they're fantastic. But, but what happens, I was out with this missionary, and we were eating in a restaurant, and he was so rude to the poor waitress that I was embarrassed. And I remember I told him, you're ignorant, and he laughed at me. And I told him, I said, you will never eat with me in a restaurant. I won't eat with you anymore. I won't go out with you anymore. And I refused to eat with that man any further because he was not treating that woman with respect. And, and, you know, I went privately and apologized to her and gave her a huge tip. And uh, anyways, just to appease my conscience and try to make her feel a little bit better. But the truth is, you know, people in the community are there to serve you, but they're not your personal servants. They're not your slaves. And sometimes we treat people like they're our slaves, and, and that's not appropriate because if we love people, that should change the way we interact with them. How about this one? Telemarketers. How many love telemarketers? They, you they do. have the best way of calling <laughs> right when you're in the middle of sitting down to eat. Anyways, we don't answer the phone anymore. But um, I remember I used to, years ago, <laughs> I used to just put the phone down and walk away when they called. And then one day the Holy Spirit said, how would you like it if someone did that to you? And I was like, uh, I probably wouldn't like that. So now I just politely ask to be added to the do not call list. But let me ask you this, when we're talking about this, does the cross, when you're focused on the cross, is it changing your perspective? Do you even look at others' perspective when you talk to them, or are you only concerned about your own words and your own point of view and the, own, the things that you're thinking? Well, it's my right, pastor, I have rights. Actually, in Christ, we're dead to the flesh. Dead men don't have any rights. It's a kingdom, it's not a democracy. You don't get a vote. In fact, God doesn't need your vote of support to rule the universe. He doesn't need your vote to stay God. He doesn't need your confidence so that he can stay God. He is who he is, and he is good according to his word. But let me ask you this. When you're focused on the cross, does it affect the content that you watch or stream? I'll tell you the truth. If you can watch graphic sex and nudity without conviction, I'm going to suggest to you that you might be reprobate. 
Your conscience is seared to the truth. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you, and you need to repent and make some changes inside of your life and the things that you're doing. In 1 Corinthians 2.2, Paul picks up the conversation, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. And see, this is how Paul chose to live as an example to us. He forgot about all of the things that he wanted to do and all the things that he thought were important, and he took on the nature and the character of Christ and started going from city to city telling others about Jesus. And I'm going to wonder, in our lives, do we lay down our flesh every day as we focus on the cross, or do we take up the Spirit? Are you laying down your flesh and taking on the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, or are you living in the flesh and putting down your spirit, man. Because the fruit in your life is going to be evident based on the results on what you meditate on, what you focus on. And if you're focused on the cross, you should be dead to your flesh. If your flesh is alive, you need to focus on the cross some more. You need to allow the character of Christ to rise up inside of you. And as we talked about last time, you need to let the word of God start exposing your motives. Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? See, this is, this is why it's important that we allow ourselves to focus on the truth from the word of God, the truth from the cross. And be honest with ourselves. Sorry. Ryan put together an awesome drama for all of you. Have a watch. Hey, you. Me? Yeah, you. What are you doing? If you're searching for truth, you're looking in the wrong place. Right. Something good. Maybe I should try this search engine. So that was a really good skit that um, probably actually demonstrated a lot of what's happening right now in the culture. We have lots of time to be surfing the internet and looking um, for life's answers when we should be looking for the answers in the right place at the cross of Christ. And right now, um, in our lives, there's a lot of emotion going on. It's a really emotionally charged time. And a lot of us, maybe it's amplified in this season, um, anxieties and some fears and some worries, even um, depression kind of creeping in because it seems like it's such a long period of time and we're not seeing like an actual time when it will be lifted, but we need to know that our hope is in Jesus. And as we fix our eyes and keep our eyes on him, he will bring us through. He will bring us through to the other side. And, you know, we hear it said, you know, this common phrase, you know, life is a journey. And when we're going on a journey, let's, let's hope you have a destination in mind. Um, that, and the reason you go on the journey is because of the destination. So, it's the destination that makes that journey worthwhile. And it's always better if you're going with a friend, if you're going with somebody. It's nice to have some company. And you, you know, along the journey of life, when we meet people and when we're experiencing a lot of the same things and we're able to risk being vulnerable and talk about what we're going through, that we make good and real genuine connections with people. And we need to know, we need to understand that in this journey of life that we have someone, we have a mediator in heaven for us, Christ Jesus, who actually has come to earth and taken that journey first for us to show us the way. So we don't have to even worry about getting lost. We don't have to worry about not knowing the way and seeing it ahead of us because Jesus is the way. He came to show us the way first and walk that journey. And then he says that 
I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm here with you to take the journey with you. So we need to make sure that we're looking up and we're keeping our eyes on him. In Hebrews 4, 15, and I I like the Amplified and it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand and have a shared feeling with our weakness and temptations, but one who has been tempted and knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect, yet without committing a sin. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you the way out so that you can endure. So I want to point out to us, I want us to really grasp and understand and take hold that Jesus first and foremost came to earth. He experienced everything that we have experienced. He's gone through temptation. He's had to work through emotions and feelings of being a human on earth and trusting God. We need to learn in this life to manage or control our emotions with the help of Christ. And Jesus had to do all of those things as he was here on earth. Jesus suffered. In Isaiah, it says he suffered. In all of the gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it tells us he suffered abandonment. He suffered, he was falsely accused. Jesus suffered injustice. He suffered shame. He suffered rejection. He suffered fear. You know, Jesus had to walk through great fear in the Garden of Gethsemane and walk through to the other side of that fear and believe and trust in the hope that he had in his Father. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 46.10, it reminds us to be still and know that he is God, that I will be honored by every nation and I will be honored throughout the world. You know, when things get crazy in our thoughts and our emotions, the best thing that we can do in that moment is stop. Stop and be still and remember who is God. Remember that God is in control and he is sovereign and he has not left you. And that we remember that in that moment, Jesus says, I am your ever-present help in your time of need. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, I just, I love this scripture and I am just so thankful. The Holy Spirit just gave me such uh, new eyes and some revelation on it this weekend as I was studying and preparing and just praying and asking God about Um, how to manage emotions and how to bring our emotions into control, my emotions into control when I was feeling discouraged and feeling weary. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden that I give you is light. So who is asking us to come to him? You know, it's Jesus. He is saying, 
come to me. Your Savior, our Savior, we come to him as sinners to an all-sufficient, able, and willing Savior who we trust in for him to give us our righteousness, for him to give us our new life, our salvation. Jesus gives us such a kind invitation which shows us his willingness to save, his readiness to give relief to a distressed mind, peace of conscience, tranquility of soul, and spiritual rest. He encourages us to come to him, to lay down our burdens at his feet, to lay hold by faith on him and his person and his shed blood his righteousness and sacrifice. He says to come to him because his burden is easy to carry, that he gives you rest when you come to him and you sit at his feet. You don't have to carry your worries and the weight of the world on your shoulders. We come to Jesus and he gives us his rest, his yoke. You don't have to struggle with sin and condemnation because Jesus says, I have redeemed you from that. You know, when we are learning to manage our emotions, we have to remember, you know, first of all, our salvation cannot be earned. There is nothing that we can do to pay the debt more effectively than what Jesus did for us. It's free. It's a free gift. It's a gift that was given by a free choice, by his love for us, and that he wanted to give that to us. And we have been positioned, justified at the cross of Christ by faith. And with that truth and with that mindset, if you are able to process your feelings through the truth that you've been justified. So when you are struggling with something, if you don't have that revelation, that truth that I'm already justified, Jesus made me right with him. You will struggle with a victim mindset. You will struggle with shame. You will struggle with guilt. You'll struggle with all the fear and the worry. And then you will become weary. You will become heavy laden. You will become uh, burdened with the heavy yoke that Jesus did not put upon you. And when you're processing emotions that are very real. And in that moment, they can become your truth. And if you don't stop to recognize and bring in your thoughts, to know that you have been bought by a price, to know that Jesus has justified you. He's made you right before him. And he says that even when you struggle, even when you're having a hard time, that you can come before him, you can stand before him with a mindset of an overcomer, with a mindset that gives you hope because you already have that hope that Jesus made me right. I don't have to work for it. All I have to do is receive it because he's justified me by faith and I can lay hold of that. And when I can process these truths and I process them through the lens of justification and not through the lens of condemnation. Because when we process through condemnation, that there's no hope when you're processing in condemnation. You will struggle and struggle and struggle. And then it's all about you. It's all about what you can do. It's all about your works. It's all about what you do in your own strength instead of you believing and knowing that in Christ, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. As you abide in him, as you come 
to him because his yoke is easy and his burden is light and your worries are lifted and your sin has been lifted from you because you have been forgiven, you have been justified. And it's that process now that begins with the conviction of the Holy Spirit as he's gently nudging you, as he's gently reminding you that, okay, we need to work on this. This is something that I'm bringing up in your life that we can do together. As we partner with him and you come to Jesus and he's saying, come to me, bring me this thing that you're struggling with and I'm gonna replace it. I'm gonna give you my strength because when you are weak, I am strong. And that's where you exchange right there at the cross, your weakness for his strength. And you're able through the power of the Holy Spirit within you to overcome And, you know, we talked about, I talked about last week, consecration. And that those are seasons and times, you know, we set apart. We choose to set ourselves apart for those seasons of consecration. And it's not when we get to the end of that season of consecration that it's, it's a great miracle. It's not when we get to the end that you have breakthrough and it's the miracle. It's what happened and like, oh, God, thank you for my miracle. I want you to know, church, It's in the middle, in that season. It's in the middle of your miracle that God is doing that great work. It's in the middle where your miracle is, where the fruit of consecration is being produced in your life. That work of sanctification, that work of purification is being done in your life right there in the middle. And it's that fruit at the end of that season of consecration that launches you, that pushes you. Because the preparation for the next season. Now you're ready because what God did in the middle of that season of consecration, you're ready to go to that next place with him as he launches you forward into. Remember we talked about when seasons of consecration are, we're in them right now, that God is preparing us. He's getting ready to do the amazing. He's putting us forward into doing something amazing. So that season of consecration is bringing us forward and launching us into something amazing. And that was preparation and that miracle That suffering that you're going through right now, remember our focus is supposed to be on the reward that is ahead of us instead of the suffering that is behind us. It's so much greater what God does on the other side, on the fullness, the whole work of the cross, not just that we focus on the suffering and that what happens when we lay ourselves down and we take up and we lay down our sin and we ask him to do that purifying work in our life. It's not just focusing there. It's the whole work of the cross because on the other side of that work is consecration, is life, it's fullness, it's victory from that struggle. It's his uh, yoke that's easy and his burden that he gives you. It's light, it's his grace and it's his enablement to walk through. Because when you're going through hell, you know that quote I read by Winston Churchill, you don't stay there. You walk through to go to the other side, to get to the other side of what he has for you. You know, we read today in Hebrews, you know, that, uh, that what God is doing, what your father is doing um, in our, our focus chapter, our focus scriptures, when we t- he talks about, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes each one that he accepts as his child. As you endure his divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own child. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate 
and you are not really his child at all. And since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father, of our spirits, and live forever? For our earthly fathers discipline us only for a few years and do the best that they know how in their flaws and in their failings. They do the best that they know how our parent. But God's discipline always, 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 always. He works everything out for our good. Always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It can be painful. But breakthrough on the other side to prepare us for what we are enduring, for the reward that is set before us, for the suddenly, the amazing. And you know what it is, that full work that he's doing in your life? It means that God is doing a work that produces more of him in your life and less and less of you. So that we remember it's Jesus that John the Baptist said, he is the one that increases and I must decrease. You're preaching my part. <laughs> I was giving you a great lead-in into you your did. part. You did, that was I awesome. I thought I did a great job. You did actually really good there. That was fantastic. I love my wife. She sits in the presence of God. He gives her revelation. I study and read and study and read and study and read and I might get one shot. She sings the whole battleship. However, that's not true, honey. That is not true. You have great. <laughs> he must and increase and I must decrease. John the Baptist, they come to him, and his whole ministry was to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare the way for Jesus. And through repentance, he wanted people to get their hearts right so that when Jesus came on the scene, they could be going and following the Messiah. And, and then at some point, his followers come to him and say, Hey, what about this Jesus guy? All these, all these people are starting to follow him. And John's kind of like, um, That's the whole point. You know, he must become greater and greater is what it says in John 3.30, and I must become less and less. And John was totally good with this because he realized that his mission was to point people to Jesus, not to supersede him. And as people started shifting their allegiance from John and his message to Jesus and his message, John was thrilled about that because his mission was to serve God and to point people to him. And he has come from above and is greater than anyone else. This is John talking. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he's come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. Anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. And in your life today, are you focusing on the cross and allowing the Spirit of God inside of your life to increase, or are you allowing your flesh to increase? Because less of me, less of my flesh, and more of you, God, and your power, and your Spirit, and your presence, it should be the heart's cry of every believer. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to reflect his glory to others. We want to operate in his love. We want to operate in his peace. We want to operate as God has called us to. But so many times our flesh rises up and our flesh is increasing and our spirit is decreasing. And, and really the two are on opposite ends of the spectrum. If your flesh is increasing, your spirit's not increasing, your, your spirit's decreasing. And if your spirit's increasing, then your flesh is decreasing. And there's this constant war going on inside of all of us 
between our flesh and our spirit. But as you learn to focus on the cross, you're putting an ax to the root of the works of the flesh. And as the word of God shines light on your motives, it explains why you're doing what you're doing. You start making the adjustments. You start going through this painful process where you die to self. You die to your selfish ambition and your vanity, like I said earlier, and your pride. And when you put those things down, the life of God is going to rise up and you're going to reflect Jesus to others. And that leads me to this. You know, some of you who are listening today, maybe you've never really given your heart to Christ. Maybe you're not doing what John says. And, you know, it's not just believing in God to gain eternal life, but it's obeying what Jesus says to do. And Jesus says, love God first and love people. And what we do is we, we have to accept that Jesus was a sacrifice for our sin. And through repentance, then we can receive forgiveness. If you're willing to repent of your sin, you can give your life to Christ. He'll come into your life and he'll change you. And from the inside out, you'll start living because he'll give you a new nature as you start living a cross-centered or a cross-focused life. And that's the power of God to you that he, get, he gives you to live righteously. So I want to pray with everyone today. Just bow your heads for a second. But Father, I thank you for those people that are here today. And maybe there's some that haven't given their life to you. Lord, I ask that right now they'll be able to repent of their sin and invite you into their life to change them from the inside out. Father, I ask that you'll save all of us because of your shed blood and that the new nature is rising up inside of us and that we're overcoming sin and we're overcoming this world system because you are with us and you are for us. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you're going to increase in us today, that we would decrease more of you and less of us. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to take communion, and then there's still a couple things that we want to talk about. I have a question for you. Ask. So are we operating in the flesh or in the spirit when we're tempted by peanut butter cups? I'm guessing that when we're tempted by <laughs> peanut butter cups, that is the fruit of the flesh taking over. However, after four hours with a rototiller, Peanut butter cups are a good reward. <laughs> They're good bribery, especially for our children. We've been doing some landscaping, and we've been using peanut butter cups as a reward or, or payment for their hard work, and they really work. They appeal to the flesh, peanut butter cups, especially when they're stuffed with those Reese's Pieces on the inside. Oh, so the good. flesh is overcome. But that's I okay. I still lost weight this week. I'm doing all right. All right. <laughs> so as we prepare to come to the Lord's table... Uh, at communion. You know, Christ took his, the loaf of bread and he broke it and he talked about how this represents his body that was going to be broken for us. And really, his brokenness made a way for us to be made whole. And a lot of us, our flesh is broken, but when we come to Christ, he starts repairing the damage that sin has done inside of our life. He removes the stain of sin. And, and really, it's mercy and truth. When you're honest with yourself, when you're merciful, it removes the stain of sin from your life. It, re it removes the iniquity, the lasting effects of sin. When you're living a cross-centered life, those things will fade away, and the new nature will start taking over. And Father, we thank you today that in your brokenness, you made a way for us to be whole. Father, that as we're choosing to focus on the cross, I thank you that we can live a crucified life that our flesh is dead and it dies every day. And we take on the nature of God. We take on your spirit. 
We take on love, we take on joy, we take on peace, we take on kindness and gentleness. We walk in mercy and we love justice. So Father, today as we partake of the bread, I thank you that you're changing us from the inside out. And that no matter what we're facing, whether it's sickness or curse or lack, you made provision for us at the cross. And we look to you now to deliver us in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, as we receive the cup, Lord, we thank you that our salvation, the work of the cross, the fullness of the cross, Lord, the suffering on the one side, Lord God, that work, that purification, to the life, the triumph, the overcoming spirit that you've put inside of us, that life abundantly that you give us, Lord God, on the other side. Lord, we thank you that you said it's a free gift, that we cannot earn it. You give it to us, Lord. You chose to be the sacrifice for us. And Father, I pray, pray for those right now who may be weary, who may be heavy laden, Lord, who are carrying a heavy yoke, Lord. God, I thank you, Father, that you would reveal to them that they stand before you by the blood of Jesus, justified, that they can come before the cross of Christ and come to you and receive an all-sufficient Savior who is ready and willing to give relief in our minds for the distressed, who's ready and willing to give peace and tranquilness of spirit, who's ready and willing in his kindness to extend his arms and his love all over us. I thank you, Lord, that we all have open hearts to receive this truth and that even though we may struggle at times, even though in this season right now, that we may struggle, may be struggling with different emotions and struggling to, to manage them and control them and, and keep them where they need to be. God, I thank you, Lord, that as we look to you and focus on you, that we can bring all of those emotions to you. We can bring the worry. We can bring the anxiety. We can bring all the fear, the distress we might be feeling in our mind about what will happen. Lord, you know all and you're in control and I, we thank you for your sovereignty we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your mercy that no matter what the destination that we are seeking that we are going the reason that we're taking this journey is because of you lord the joy that's set before us and the destination is heaven that no matter what might happen here on this earth it's temporary but that we are storing up treasure in heaven where nothing can get to it. And that we will be with you, our destination being heaven. And that is our focus. That is our prize. That is the reason we run the race. And we thank you, Lord, that in each and every one of us, you give us that grace, that ability to submit to you, to surrender to you that you would increase in our lives 
and that our flesh would decrease and that we would humbly submit that to you, Lord, and take up your yoke that is easy and your burden that is light in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Okay, a couple more things. So in a moment, we're going to log off. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to receive the tithes. And I'd also like to take up a special offering today. So before you log off, just hear me for a second. So we know the tithe is holy, and we give the tithe to the Lord. That's the 10% of our income that everybody gives. And he rebukes the devourer from our life. And we expect an open heaven. We expect our debts to be eliminated. We expect you know, God to be involved. And the hedge goes up on every side as Malachi talks about. But we know that there's many missionaries that we support all over the world. Um, and locally, there's some organizations that we support too. And as this global uh, event has taken place right now, many of them are struggling uh, to survive. Many of them are struggling to pay their bills. And we, we send out uh, money to many people. I think there's 20 or 30 something different organizations that we have on the list. It might be more or less, I don't remember. But we support multiple missions, and we want seed to go into different places around the world. So we've created a special missions offering. And one of the things we'd like to do is we'd like to be able to maintain our support for those that we've committed to. And additionally, if some extra money will come in, and you know what, I know some of you, money's a little bit tight right now, but others, you have an excess. And you know, I found that my gas budget went down by about $150 a week since we're not driving the kids everywhere right now. It's given us a little bit of extra money. So we're going to sow um, into submissions today so that some of the people that are laboring all over the world and even in the community, that they can continue to do so as, as they continue to love people. And we know that that second portion, that missions offering, is not for everyone. Uh, but for those of you that have a little bit extra right now, I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, you know, hey, would you like us to participate in that? And we want to make sure that we can maintain our giving, and then we want to take the excess, and we want to sow it to be a blessing to some of the ministries that we support all over the world. And uh, I'm going to pray, Father, I thank you for the seed in our hand that it'll never leave our life. I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of the people of WCF, for the tithes and the offerings. And Lord, I thank you for a spirit of generosity that flows through your people today. And while many people are looking for ways to get involved and ways to get engaged, Lord, I thank you that giving is an excellent opportunity for us to sow into the kingdom of God. And Lord, we know that we can never outgive you. You gave your son, you gave your best. And because of that, we have eternal life today. And Father, we're forever grateful for that. So we remember the cross. Help us to focus our thoughts, our energy, and our effort this week on your purposes. And Lord, I thank you that you've released your people and they can expect good things to happen in their life this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week. Have a great day. We hope you can get outside and enjoy the beautiful day.